Hello, hockey fans. Good afternoon. Good evening. It's Tuesday, June 19th, and you are welcomed once again to this week's episode of From the Press Box here on the AHL Report. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report. And of course, as always, I'm joined every week by my fabulous co-host, the editor-in-chief and founder of Rocket Sports Media, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, it's June. It's draft week. It is June. Uh, 25 degrees in the city of Montreal today, um, sunny, and um, yeah, I, I, I expect that uh, heading down to uh, Dallas uh, later this week, it's, uh, we're going to see a little bit more sun. A little bit. It's supposed to be in the upper 90s and cresting over 100 degrees Fahrenheit in Dallas all week this week. So um, our Rocket Sports crew and the group of fans that we are taking along with us to Dallas to enjoy the draft this week are going to be in for a bit of a toasty ride. But we'll be nice and cool inside the arena most of the time anyway. So what does that really matter? (laughs) There you go. We've got uh, some... Some things to cover today before we get to the draft, of course. Uh, the Calder Cup hockey season, as to my chagrin, I must finally say, hockey season has officially come to a close. Uh, we talked about the Stanley Cup being awarded last week. Uh, the ECHL's Kelly Cup has been awarded. And now, finally, the Calder Cup has been awarded as well. So hockey season for the 2017-18 season is officially in the books. Um just in time for us to to start kicking off uh, the the eighteen nineteen season with the draft this week, so we'll we'll touch on how the Calder Cup final series ran, who walked away with with the trophy, and uh, just some of the the happenings since then. Talking about uh, you know the winners and 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 accomplishments and things like that. We're also going to touch just in general on some trades that have, have gone down as the market for, for those swaps starts to heat up in advance of the draft as uh, GMs start jockeying for, for draft picks and, and starting to now really take a good hard look at their rosters now that the season is over. Um, and as well as coaches, coaches are going to be shifting around and there's been some coaching news um, throughout the week this week. And, and we'll take a look at those things. And then Rick and I are just going to spend some time talking about uh, at least the at least the first round of the draft and just a little bit of analysis and maybe some predictions on, on how things might shape up on Friday night in Dallas at the American Airlines Center. Uh, and of course, we'll also give you uh, some tips on how you can follow along with us and our Rocket Sports Media team all weekend long while we are reporting live from Dallas at the draft. Um, so lots to cover today, as always. Let's get right into it. Now, you were you were Rick, you were happy to to say that your Stanley Cup prediction was correct and mine was incorrect. Since you went with mm-hmm. the Washington Capitals, yeah. I went with the Vegas Golden Knights. But we mm-hmm. both had selected the Toronto Marlies to win the Calder Cup. And admittedly, the first half of this series, I wasn't sure we were going to be right because Texas Texas came hard in this series, but Toronto ended up finishing the job on home ice at Rico Coliseum. And um a full credit to the to, to the Marlies. They um you know their 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 talent, their depth, their um uh, well and, and, and experience too um, off and um 
they were able to take the the um, um, uh, deciding game by a rather lopsided score. Although it you know it was a it was a, a close game for at least two periods. Right. Um, it didn't open up until that final frame, really. And 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 that was just because uh, the, uh, Texas was pulling out all the stops to to try and get back in the game. The Marlies went up. Uh, two nothing in the first period. Andres Janssen, Mason Marchman had a pretty good game, um, mm-hmm. and then an early third period goal from Carl Grunstrom. Grunstrom, um, and and then it wasn't until midway through the period that, um, after going up three uh, nothing, that uh, the Stars got a, a goal back and made it uh, a little bit interesting. But it was a it was a tough game, well well played game. Um, Texas Stars to to take uh, Toronto uh, to a seventh game. Um, I, I don't think, uh, you know, not many people expected that or predicted that. Uh, and it was all based on where they, where they couldn't match the Marlies on uh, talent and skill. Uh, they simply outworked them. Um, they, they worked hard every shift. They're a very hardworking team, very disciplined team. Uh, a very committed team, uh, a team of players that would do anything to, um, you know, win their shift, uh, win their battles. And, um, and you know, it pretty tough to win in Rico in game seven, but um, they mm-hmm. almost, they almost pulled it out. Um, and uh, full credit to, to uh, the, the Texas stars. And, and full credit just to the AHL in general, you know, to take, to take this series all the way to game seven um, national television coverage for the Eastern conference final and the Calder cup final um, in both the U S and in Canada with the Stanley cup being awarded almost a week prior, all eyes were on the AHL last week um, and Toronto and Texas put on a good show and, and showed hockey fans perhaps many maybe who don't pay attention to the AHL that much, um, that there's good hockey to be seen at the AHL level, exciting hockey to be seen and really hard fought hockey. Um, And so good for them as well. I also have to give, you know, it, it was either last week or the prior week that I, that I tore into the NHL network for, for their simulcast coverage of the AHL games in the fact that they were airing some of them on delay for some strange reason, which they quickly apparently got enough um, pushback on that. They rectified that situation and started airing them live. Um, But unlike NBC's coverage during, during the playoffs for the NHL, uh, kudos to the NHL network. They stayed with, the coverage of game seven, it wasn't even just through the handshakes. It was through every single guy, player, coach, trainer, administrative person taking their turn, lifting the cup on the ice, staying through interviews with at least a dozen different Marley's players. I mean, they stayed with the Toronto television coverage for at least half an hour, if not 45 minutes. And kudos to them for, for giving fans the opportunity to just soak in that entire celebration. So, so I, I thought that was impressive as well. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, the, uh, with, with uh, both coverage by TSN in, in Canada and, and the NHL network in the States, the, 
Um, the exposure was very good for the AHL, and uh, I think fans, particularly those that are, you know, may not have followed as closely along um, uh, through the year, um, were certainly impressed with the um, with the level of hockey and and the uh, competitiveness of the of the series. Absolutely, you know, as far as players go, you know, I'm I'm certainly happy for the Toronto Marlies. It's always, uh, you know, no matter who wins a championship series, you're always happy for, for the players who have put in the work all season long to finally get that achievement. Um, you know, and, and you mentioned Andreas Janssen. I mean, what a season he's had. Uh, it's very possible. That's the last time he wears a Marley's uniform. Uh, the Leafs may, may bring him in full time next year. He had a tremendous series, a tremendous season. What a way to cap that off. Um, and for goal, you know, Garrett Sparks in goal, he's worked really hard. He's been clutch for Toronto all season long and, and not just this season either. And to be rewarded uh, for his efforts as well. One guy that I feel for is Mike McKenna, netminder in the opposite crease. This is the second consecutive year that Mike McKenna has backstopped a team in the Calder Cup final and the second consecutive year that he just fell just short and didn't come home with the cup. Um, and at his age, he's 35, a 35 year old goaltender. You know, it's at some point he knows the end of hockey is on the horizon. Who knows how soon that's going to be, but kudos to him for, for he's played for a couple of different teams over the last two years to get to the Calder cup final two years in a row as a goaltender um, and put on the performance that he did. Uh, kudos to him. I'm sorry that he. Sorry to see him not get rewarded again this year, but but definitely have to give accolades to him for his efforts in the past two seasons. And not only in the final, but um, throughout the the playoffs for for Texas. In addition to, you know, I, I said they they benefited from from hard work. They also got great goaltending throughout throughout mm-hmm. the playoffs uh, this season. And as you mentioned, Mike McKenna with Syracuse. Um, in the previous season um, did the same thing for them and took them uh, right to the final. So uh, great job by, by McKenna. Uh, speaking of uh, Syracuse and the crunch, um, there's a couple of signings that have happened this week uh, since, since the Calder cup has been awarded. And one of, one of them uh, will likely affect the crunch, and that is goaltender Eddie Pasquale has been uh, re-signed by the Lightning to a one-year two-way contract. So we'll likely see uh, Eddie, former St. John's Ice Caps um, goaltender, uh, back in the blue paint uh, up there in Syracuse again. So uh, Eddie Pasquale re-signing with the Lightning for a one-year contract. Eddie's got fans all over the league. He's a real I fan think he favorite. Does. <laughs> um, they loved him in St. John's, uh, both both when um, uh, the Winnipeg affiliate was was in St. John's, and mm-hmm. and when the Montreal affiliate was there, Eddie did stints for both teams. Well, in fact, he was drafted by the not by the Jets, by the uh, Thrashers, um, the predecessor of the Jets, and and um, and he's he's. He's just a real likable guy, uh, a fan favorite. But um, you know, he's thought of as a as a veteran backup uh, netminder. But he had pretty good stats last season and and appeared in um, uh, over thirty games, uh, both for Bakersfield and Syracuse. So um, yeah, good for him. He's a good guy. He's a good hockey guy. 
uh, good for him getting um, getting signed and know where he's, where he's going to be come the fall. Absolutely. Um, on the Marley sign side of things, they've actually uh, already had a signing this week. They've re-signed forward Colin Greening for another year, so he will be back in a Marley's uniform for the 2018-19 season as well, um, which, you know, good for him. Why, why, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know? And uh, coming off of a very recent Calder Cup win, I'm sure he's pleased to be back in Toronto for another year. Yeah, his second Calder Cup win. He got one with the uh, with Binghamton as well, um, back seven years ago. And uh, one of those solid veterans. And and you heard in the post game, uh, the post series um, celebrations, the interviews that uh, Greening's name came up. The younger guys really look up to him. Um, uh, he he's he's one of the the solid veterans that uh, that they that the Marlies have, and and uh, we'll be back again for um, his third season. Columbus Blue Jackets have also made a signing this week. Um, Alex Broadhurst has signed a one-year, two-way contract. Um, meaning, has so he has re-signed uh, with the Blue Jackets. Eastern Conference folks might want to pay attention to that because don't forget the Cleveland Monsters are now part of the Eastern Conference. So that means that Alex Broadhurst is a name you're going to get to know this coming year. Uh, So there's another signing for you. And the Ducks have re-signed Kevin Boyle, a goaltender, to a two-year two-way contract. So two-year deal for Kevin Boyle Boyle, uh, out West. Um, And so likely uh, we'll be we'll be backstopping the San Diego goals for the next two seasons as well. Sounds good. Um, so speaking, speaking of the Marlies and, and the accomplishments that they made this season, which, you know, it's, it's been when Mike Babcock took over for the behind the bench in Toronto, you know, he talked about a rebuild and he talked about, realistic timelines on how long a rebuild is going to take. And under Mike Babcock's tutelage, uh, Toronto seems to be a bit ahead of schedule, especially in the development realm of things. Um, And what Kyle Dubas has, has been able to do with the Marlies and will now take that experience, uh, you know, Speaking of what a way to cap off, uh, cap off, you know, your time with the Marlies, as we talked about with Andreas Janssen, same thing for, for Kyle Dubas as well. Um, he'll take that to the Maple Leafs now. But the development process that is being built in Toronto paid off big time for them this year. It's quite apparent that their farm system is very deep. Um, Montreal could take some lessons from what Toronto is doing and the kind of culture that they're that they're you know, fostering in Toronto with the Marlies organization. But one of the big pieces of that puzzle, rightfully so, is Sheldon Keefe behind the bench. Um, tremendous. He was he was one of the, uh, the coaches at the All-Star game this year, did a tremendous job um, behind the bench for the Eastern Conference. And, you know, he's he's done – wonders this season with the Toronto Marlies. The, the, the record that they had was just through the roof, whether it was home or on the road. Um, and it's funny, the AHL had a, had an article this week titled Keith should be a wanted man after Calder cup win. And I found it quite 
odd yesterday listening to hockey central at noon uh on sportsnet that those guys tend to think that sheldon keith will be back behind the bench in toronto again this year um and it kind of left me scratching my head as in well yes and, and their reasoning was you know there's always good coaching talent there's not enough slots to fill but the man just won a calder cup you can't tell me that he's not going to be in demand somewhere, you know, and, and it's like the week of, of coaching surprises when it comes to these things, because you have, you have the opposite thing happening in the NHL where Barry Trotz just, just won the Stanley cup and opted to not go with the automatic two-year extension that was in his contract and is now a free agent and will not be back with the team that he helped bring a Stanley cup, Stanley cup home to this year. So Rick, it, you know, we already have talked about how there's a lot of coaching vacancies in the AHL. There's still certainly some coaching things to be decided in the NHL. And then you've got two coaches who just won championships with their teams whose future is not set in stone for the fall. Um, and it's just, it's, it's a very interesting time to be watching how, how teams choose to move forward. And and when you said uh, back behind the bench in Toronto, I um, just to clarify, that's not that's not with the Leafs. That's that's no, uh, yeah, that's with the Marlies. Yeah. Um, well, uh, you know, I, with all due respect to the guys, uh, uh, other than I don't have a lot of due respect for Damian Cox, but that's a whole other issue. Um, they, they don't follow the the. Um, the AHL as closely as, as some others. And, and uh, so they can be forgiven for, for some of the things that sound uh, a little out of the ordinary. Um, But there's, there's a a pretty natural progression uh, from, from those coaches who've won uh, Calder cups uh, becoming um, uh, NHL uh, coaches. And for, for those, uh, you know, Calder cup champion coaches, um, um, of the 19, I think 13, uh, have been head coaches in the, in the, uh, NHL. And if you include assistant coaches, uh, in the NHL, that number bumps up to 15. So it's, it's, you know, Keith is going to be, a um, a, a coach in the, in the NHL, uh, sooner than later, uh, whether it's this season or not, I think that will depend a lot on him, uh, and yeah. what he's looking for, he there's right now there's only one slot, uh, one head coaching slot um, available, and that's with the New York Islanders. Um, uh, Lou Lamorello is obviously very familiar with Sheldon Keith, um, having just uh, exited um, uh, the Leafs organization, so mm-hmm. um, he knows him quite well. Um, now, whether he's going to, whether uh, Lamorello, it doesn't strike me as the the kind of guy who's going to uh, be paying big money for a head coach. So whether he'll get in on the Barry Trotz uh, sweepstakes or not, or go with uh, someone he knows very well in, in, in Shelton Keefe and put together a, you know, coaching staff that way uh, we'll see, or whether the Marlies will, or the Toronto organization will um, offer some sort of progression plan, um, whether it's this year or in future to become part of the Babcock staff. Uh, and whether he, you know, he would accept whether he he's comfortable enough staying in the 
uh, in the Leafs organization to accept a, an assistant coaching uh, spot. Um, but I think, I think he's pretty well in the driver's seat as far as how he sees his, his uh, coaching career panning out and, 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 and what he values. Um, yeah. As I said, as I said, to, to, start off my comments. Uh, he's going to be in the NHL one way or the other uh, and, right. uh, rather soon. Well, you know, we're all, as as we've talked about, there are plenty of coaching positions um, available at the AHL level that we're anxiously kind of keeping an eye on to see what happens there. But uh, what's happening in the NHL is also, um, you know, with, <laughs> I, I think Barry Trotz, surprised a lot of people when he opted to resign his position um and as you say the the natural the natural um guess would be that that he and Lou Lamorello are having extensive conversations uh of these days so we'll see what happens there um that's I just mentioned about just how Toronto has put together the kind of success that they've put together both frankly, at the NHL level and the AHL level, because because let's be honest, um, you know, when, when compared to the Canadians this year, the Toronto Maple Leafs were a better team. Um, and so, you know, we talk about how maybe, I, I said how maybe Montreal would be well served to maybe take a look at, at the kind of developmental culture that they're, that they're working on over there. And there was a player trade that happened this week with the Montreal Canadiens, Rick, um, that had a lot of people, and I'm going to preface this by saying the player that the Canadians got in return is is not someone that I turn my nose up at in any way, shape, or form. He's a talented player. He's a he's a gritty, hardworking player, um, and I think that he's a good player. I don't, however, agree with the trade. Um, I don't. It was a one for one trade of Alex Galchenyuk a huge name for fans, a huge name in scoring for your team and, and just someone, someone who's again been mishandled in my humble opinion by the Canadians. Um, You know, once Mark Bergevin announced that the Galchenyuk at center experiment was over, he could never eat crow and go back on that and try putting Galchenyuk back at center again, uh, which was a mistake in my opinion. Um, but again, it kind of goes to you have Alex Galchenyuk. You have uh, here we are with another first round draft pick coming through the Canadians organization that doesn't fully realize their potential on the ice with the Canadians, partially because they've, I mean, this year the Canadians in general were awful. So no one was going to look good this year. Um, but he's certainly not a one for one exchange with Max Domi. And that is not to knock Max Domi. That is a knock on on Bergevin and how he has devalued one of his first round prospects again. And he's done that in a number of ways. Um, you know, uh, as as you mentioned, um, the, the, his comment about uh, that that uh, Galchenyuk would uh, that the experiment is done that came in that came in the preseason last year that, that was yeah. before Galchenyuk had played a game um that was you know after Galchenyuk uh, uh uh trained all season and then showed up and 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 it was well uh no you're not going to be center um 
so uh, that's there's a there's a way of of and and uh, there's a, an interesting article uh, published uh, this morning on Times Hockey Magazine. Um, Matthew, uh, our staff writer, um, uh, showed with some advanced stats how um, Galchenik is a much much more impactful center um, than he is on the wing. His his um, he he just he just isn't that much as 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 solid a, an impact a player as he is a, at center. Much more dynamic, much more of a an offensive threat at center, uh, and that's 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 over the course of his NHL career. Um, so to remove him from that uh, and to to depress his his uh, offensive output. Um, and then, as the season went on, to publicly, both the the, the GM and uh, the head coach took turns just throwing him under the bus one week after the other um, for one one thing or another. Um, and, and that does nothing but but uh, you know uh, ruin his not only his his development and and you know this isn't a guy that spent time in the AHL but there's still as as we've talked on the show before a difference between um the development the AHL development um the skills development and the transition to the NHL and the as i've said many times the the Canadians are not very good at the transition part and that's the part that's that's uh um, facilitated by the by the NHL coaching staff, and they just did a terrible job. Both Terrian and Julian did a terrible job with Galchenyuk. Um, their job was to get the most out of them. They certainly didn't do that. Um, and um, you know, it's 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 sad. And and you see that that uh, as you said, um, Max Domi will 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 come in. Um, the Canadians were 28th, 29th in scoring last year. So uh, they give up a, a former 30 goal score for Max Domi, who's had nine goals the last two seasons. And of those nine goals last season, Max Domi had just four five on five. He had four empty netters and a power play goal to add to that. Um, he's a setup guy, but, but do the Canadians need that? Uh, do they need another winger? Um, there we have, well, again, we've, yeah, we've talked about that, right? I mean, they're getting everything that they don't need. Yeah, Mark Bergevin has has had two um, t- uh, former top ten picks in in Galchenyuk and Sergachev, um, and he still doesn't have a center, um, uh, you know, a number one center um, in his in his trades. So uh, I think with Max Domi, as as Bergevin said in the in the press conference. Um, they're going to have a fan favorite and I guess that, that slides in nicely and, and, and fits in with Molson's um, desire to have a more entertaining, if we're going to lose, we're going to at least be more entertaining about mm-hmm. it. And um, so that fulfills that, that checkbox. Um, but it, it, it goes back to, you know, and, and it's a very good comparison that, that you made the, the the development model, uh, the transition model, you know the 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 Leafs now and Kyle Dubas, uh, and he's very familiar with with that uh, all the depth on on that Marley squad. They're going to have 
a number of openings in uh, for the uh, for the Maple Leafs, and he's got he's got guys ready to go, uh, well developed, and uh, you know that Mike Babcock will will be the uh, a solid coach to help them make that transition to the NHL. And at at um, with the Canadians, they just they just don't have that right now, um, and uh, so development transition is going to be something to watch carefully uh, next year and, and uh, see where it goes. Absolutely. I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot here just for a second and just ask your opinion off the cuff where, where with, with the roster roughly as it is now at the NHL level, where do you think the Canadians would slot Domi in? Is he, is he literally replacing Galgeniuk? Is he fourth line winger? Is he, you know, yeah, you're going to put him with with uh, Gallagher, um, and and is is Duran going to be playing uh, center um, on the lineup as it exists right now? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a good matchup. So I would say Domi has to play with, um, you know, he he played top six in in Arizona. He'll he'll probably play top six in Montreal, um, but boy, a lot of pieces have to fall with, with the draft, uh, with the draft and with free agency to have a, 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 a good cohort of, of players for uh, Domi to play with so that the Canadians can, um, can be successful and, and find a goal scorer, uh, mm-hmm. which is, you know, right now uh, the goal scorers are just two. Uh, and that, that is uh, Brendan Gallagher and Max Pacioretty. And, you know, if, if, um, if the talk is, is that Max Pacioretty is on his way out, then, you know, then it's, and then there was one, um, and the other circumstance, and then there is one, you have, uh, Nikita Sherback, which, um, yeah, it got a, I, I, I feel for Nikita, um, you know, um, uh, the coach took great liberties, um, uh, with negative comments towards Sherback uh, last year, but at least Gelchenik was in the way, and Gelchenik got more of more of that than Sherback. Uh, I, I fear for Sherback, and we all know, um, you know how how he he takes things to heart, and and um, mm-hmm. and I sure hope that isn't he isn't negatively impacted uh, this coming year by the absence of of the um, uh, the the pincushion, and that is Alex Gelchenik. Absolutely. Uh, interesting, interesting note that I, um, the, the Canadians had put out a, an article today uh, talking about this. An interesting note is that, um, well, there's a, there's a couple of players who on the, on the Habs, uh, in the Habs organization that have experience playing with Domi. One of, one of which of course is Gallagher who played with him uh, for team Canada. Uh, but McCarron also played with Domi, uh, when they were playing for the London Knights, and he w- and uh, according to the Canadians, of course, um, he was Domi's center um, for for that for that year. So, who knows if they'll try, <laughs> they'll try to get that chemistry going again? Um, but but there are a couple of players that have some familiarity with with Domi already. So um, we'll see what happens. It's it's going to be interesting to see how that how that all plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, 
we're all kind of waiting with bated breath to see now, you know, it's kind of like that official, this was, this was the first big, like, oh my God moment uh, this week with, with the Canadians as in terms of, oh, right. It's draft week. So moves are going to start being made. Um, This one of course was a one for one trade. So there weren't draft picks involved, but, but Rick, do you, as, as we're, as we shift now to just a little bit of, of talk about a, a, the pre, previewing the draft that's coming up in just a couple of days, um, we've talked extensively about how, um, you know, the Canadians need a center. They need a, a first-line center badly, and they seem to be making signings and trades and all sorts of things this offseason for anything but that. So going into this week um, – and this, excuse me, and this weekend are the big moves that Mark Bergevin is going to make. Are, are we looking at he's going to make moves to acquire more picks, or or do you think that he's do you think, or should I say, hope that he's focused on on getting that center that they need, and and know that they have a good amount of picks in the tank already for this year. Well, I think that. Um... Uh, Mark Bergevin has had a um, kind of leaning to uh, trading picks and particularly second round picks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that hasn't, that hasn't necessarily worked out so well. No. Um, so I think my hope and probably Trevor Timmons um, hope is that uh, they're left alone. And, um, and that includes, um, you know, the, the, the draft is reasonably deep and, and they could uh, uh, certainly pick up some, some important pieces in the second round and, uh, and have a number of picks to, uh, to do that with. Um, so um, I, I would, I would prefer that, that, uh, that that's the, that's the route they go. Um, now, the other to this is is Mark Bergevin uh, is he um, you know want to make a big splash? Does he want to um, you know really ensure he does something uh, as as many of his other moves have been fan favorite kind of moves uh, that that is going to to uh, take some of the heat off him, uh, particularly after this uh, this last trade. You know maybe he will. Um, and, and, you know, maybe that's part of the, the, the mis- misdirection that's going on. Um, uh, first and foremost, besides needing, um, uh, a center, uh, and, uh, and a top, top defenseman to play with Weber, uh, they need scoring. They need scoring badly. Yes, they um, do. Th- it, they will have, um, uh, a, a, a potential, um, score, uh, in their lap. And, um, and that should be the easy, easy selection in the draft. Um, but, uh, you know, there's all kinds of smoke and mirrors going on that, that uh, they'll go off the board or, or surprise in some way uh, with their third pick overall. Um, mm-hmm. Just hope that they, they make the, um, they don't waste this um, opportunity because getting getting the third pick uh, involved a lot of pain, uh, a lot of pain for oh, fans yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, of the past season. So um, let's hope that they they take advantage of that and and do the smart thing. Yeah, I I keep 
I've been saying for weeks, and I don't know if I've actually said it on on this podcast, so I will put it officially on record. Um, and it's not that I like this prediction, but I I I have I have this nagging feeling that I, as much as Mark Bergevin has said over and over and over again, you know, no, we're going to take full advantage of having the third overall pick. As you say, you know, there are times that he likes to be to make big moves. Um, and my fear is that he's going to trade away the third pick. I don't know what for, because it would be an enormous mistake in my opinion, but uh, you, d- you don't get many opportunities to, to get a top five player, a top five pick. And as you say, to get them, you have to go through a lot of pain to get them. And so you don't really want tons of opportunities to get them. Um, so I will be kind of waiting with bated breath until that, until Mark Bergevin and Claude Julian and Trevor Timmons walk up on that stage Friday night to announce their pick third overall. Um, and that, in, that it's not instead Gary Bettman walking out to the podium to say, we have a trade to announce. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. My, my other, my other prediction and this isn't necessarily draft related, it's more trade related, is that, okay, so the talk, incessant talk since mid-season has been Max, since before the trade deadline is that Max Pacioretty is getting traded, Max Pacioretty is on the block, Max Pacioretty is getting shopped. Now, and, and, you know, give me your opinion on this as well. Now with the first thing I thought of after I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> when I heard about the, the Galchenyuk Domi trade, the first thing I then thought of was, well, now there's no way you can trade Pacioretty. And now, granted, I I tend to use logic when I think about uh, hockey stuff like this. Bergevin's stuff doesn't. Bergevin's decisions don't always seem to follow the same logic I do. But at this point, okay, you've just traded away Galchenyuk. You can't possibly also start the season without Max Pacioretty in your wheelhouse, can you? From a hockey perspective, probably not. Um, you, you, As I said, scoring was a problem. Max, Max Pacioretty, um, Max Pacioretty suffered um, without Alex Radulov, but even more so without um, Andre Markov. Um, and his numbers were down, but it it still doesn't change who he is. He's still one of the premier scorers in the National Hockey League. The difficulty is that that the Canadians have done everything to prepare the fan base um, that 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 he's going, uh, even to the extent of, of Bergevin blaming attitude uh, and and um, and you know th- that the player's attitude was was the major problem for. Uh, the, the failure last year, of course, that's utter nonsense. Um, but that that um, the captain, uh, if there was a bad attitude on the team, it's it only uh, would 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 stand to reason that that the uh, captain has to share in in that responsibility. So they've set everything up uh, for Patchetti to go, and if he stays, um, uh, Patchetti is going to have to deal with. Uh, probably an angry uh, fan base. Yeah. Um, but from a hockey, uh, from a, a pure hockey um, perspective, 
that they need his offense and, and he can, he can bring that offense at, at a relatively um, cheap cost. Um, and, and are you going to be able to get what you want for him? And, and that is a, you know, a, a young uh, uh, producing uh, center, uh, first line center, you know, I, 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 I don't know that, that he's going to find that, that trade. Um, mm-hmm. So all, you know, I, I, I think that, um, that this is, this is something that, that um, Bergevin has kind of painted himself into a box and, uh, and, yeah. and there's going to be negative con- connotations no matter how it goes. I agree. I agree. I just, for me, I don't, Trading Galchenyuk was not even on my radar. I mean, sure, everyone, okay, well, you know, he could trade Galchenyuk, but you say that in a way like, but he wouldn't really do that. Expecting Pacioretty to be the one to go, I just, I don't know how you trade both of them away in the same summer, um, but we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see, especially how things turn out in the draft. So we should kind of talk about that first round. We're talking about how they have the third overall pick. I don't think it's – I really don't think there's any question whatsoever that Ross Nostalian is not going first overall. That, no question. That's just – yeah. I mean, he has to know that. Every every single person who watches hockey knows that Dalene is going to be the, the first overall pick this year. Um And, you know, people are back and forth on Svechnikov, Zadina going, going second and third – I'm going to say that I, that I, you know, and some people of course have been, have been saying uh, the Habs should take Brady Kachuk at third overall, if he's still available, I think, you know, and, and tell, feel free to, to tell me how, what you think they should do. Um, You know, I, I tend to think that although Brady Kachuk uh, would be an asset for the Habs, We've talked about his style of play and what he would bring to the team. I tend to think that the Canadians will go with whoever is left out of either Svechnikov or Zadina. And I would say likely probably going to be Zadina. And there again is another left winger. <laughs> seem to be an abundance of wingers, but but that's how I'm guessing that's going to go down. I'd like to, I would like to see them draft Brady Kachuk. That would be my choice. I think it's going to be Zadina or Svechnikov, whichever one's left after, after the second pick. Yeah, I think um, for me, it's, it's pretty clear that Carolina's uh, likely um, uh, to, to take Svechnikov. He, he, he is. He fits their needs. He. He. Um, they're looking for scoring too, um, and uh, and and he's been kind of consensus number two in, in most of the the draft um, credible draft rankings. Um, boy, Brady Kachuk. We've seen Brady Kachuk a, a lot, and um, yeah. he would be a real nice piece to uh, an organization and uh, brings those kind of intangible qualities that, um, that the, the way that, that Bergevin spoke about Domian and his intangibles, um, yeah. Kachuk brings those uh, times too. Um, and um, you, 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 you know, he's, um, he's an upgrade even on Matthew Kachuk uh, in my eyes. Um mm-hmm. A clutch kind of player, um, 
but not necessarily the the player that that the Canadians uh need. Uh Zadina, um you know, he's he's got the best shot in the in the draft. Um good skater, um great skater, um very mobile, um shifty, he can make plays, he can score goals. He he um you know, is is uh, is a complete player. He's the player that that closely fits um the Canadian scoring needs. Um, there's a, been a, a bit of noise uh, about uh, Jasper um, Kotkaniemi, and and um, and he's kind of vaulted up the, the draft rankings. But I think that's that's partly because he's he's one of the few natural centers in the draft, and, right. and has um, benefited from that. But he's not the he's not the player that's going to impact directly the the lineup in the next. Um, in the next, well, uh, not, not in the next season. Um, right. A player that I like personally, uh, Noah Dobson, um, um, the Canadians have a gaping need a, 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 on defense as well, but, mm-hmm. um, and I think Dobson has got all the, the right qualities. He's hard to play against. He's got the offense. Uh, he's a leadership kind of guy. Um but uh, I, I I just don't I, I I see the Canadians really needing uh, needing offense. It's hard to it's hard to acquire uh, offense in any other way other than the draft. And I, I the smart the smart decision would be just to uh, Zadine is going to be uh, dropped in your lap. Just just take him and say thank you very much and and walk yeah. off the podium. And in, you know, interestingly enough, in in a lot of the the reputable top ten rankings, there's a, at least half of the top ten are defensemen. Um, you know, between Deline, Evan Bouchard, Quinn Hughes, Adam Boakfist, um, there's a lot of defensemen dangling out there uh, in that top ten. But as you say, um, it's likely not a direction that the Canadians will go. Um, and uh, you know Noah Dobson coming off a, a you know playoff run with Acadie Bathurst, Bathurst um, for the Memorial Cup, and um, you know we've always liked Quinn Hughes' play, uh, University of Michigan and, and USA Hockey, uh, speedy, speedy little hockey, very hockey intelligent uh, defe- defenseman. Um, and although I, I agree with you that that as much as I would like to see the Habs take Brady Kachuk, that they probably won't. Um, and, but you, you made that nice comparison about the intangibles like Domi and Kachuk. Can you, let's just, can we, can we just all take a moment and just imagine a Habs roster with Brady Kachuk and Max Domi on it? That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> It'd be really entertaining. It would be that very would be entertaining. Um, yeah. I put Mike McCarron as you said. <laughs> Mike, Mike oh, there, yeah, there the, you go. Oh my goodness gracious! <laughs> there, there you are. Um, you'd have some fan, You'd have some entertainment there. That's there's with, yeah, complete entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> that is very true. Uh, you know, looking as you as you mentioned, this draft is you know almost at the beginning of the season. Some people were saying that this draft was kind of a shallow draft, but I think as we're getting closer and closer to, to draft day, this draft is a little deeper than I think people, people really thought. So once you get outside of that top 10 and you, and you get into the, the second, the bottom two thirds of that first round, 
who's really jumping out at you? Um, you know, in, in the 11, 11 to 31 range, is there anyone in there that you think really stands to move up in the rankings uh, just in general, not in, not in terms of the Canadians per se, but just, just in general, anyone who stands out to you? Yeah, it, it really depends. You know, there's that, that uh, the, the, the different tiers and, and you talked about the, the number of defensemen and, and uh, the, the teams picking after conveniently picking after the Canadians um, are, are many of them are looking for defensemen. Um, you know, Quinn Hughes, we've seen quite a bit um, a, a, a Michigan product. Detroit would be a nice home for him. Um, Adam Boquist uh, uh, is there. Um, um, uh, you mentioned Bouchard. Um Wallstrom is is a guy we've seen a lot, and and mm-hmm. and, and uh, uh, he, he can he's a very versatile player uh, and can bring some some offense. But beyond that, and and I think all of those you know could see themselves being called in the top ten. Uh, beyond that, um, I think that that uh, Joel Farabee, who we saw, I was um, just going to say Joel Farabee. Yeah, um, he's gonna he's gonna surprise some people. Barrett Hayton uh, with the Sioux, um, uh, he's he's uh, he's moved up. Um, I think he could you know go anywhere in that that uh, eleven to nineteen kind of kind of stretch. Um, mm-hmm. So you're gonna yeah you're gonna get some you're gonna get some. Uh, I think I think that the the list the the team lists are gonna. Uh, vary so much from one team to the next that uh, that you're going to see some surprises in that area. Well, if there's one thing that's guaranteed for Friday night and all day Saturday is that it's going to be exciting. The NHL draft is always is always exciting. I say every year, if you're a hockey fan, put it on your bucket list. You have to go at least once. Uh, and I'm so proud that uh, through our partnership. Uh, with the NHL that the rocket sports media uh, crew is going to be uh, at the draft for the fifth time, uh, fourth consecutively. And um, it's going to be a great, it's going to be a great weekend. Uh, We know of course it's, it's televised. So you'll all be watching at home if you're not coming along with us, but if you'd like some really unique perspective and views and you know, that kind of thing. Be sure you're following us all weekend long because we will be there. We're, we're down in the lower bowl, um, down seated with the prospects and their families. Uh, again, thanks to our partnership with the NHL. Uh, so we'll have a view uh, to offer you of the draft that no one else is going to. Uh, it's, it's a it's a unique place to to sit and experience the draft uh, in among the, and you just, you feel the emotion and the excitement and the anticipation and the nerves and the butterflies in the stomach and the relief when names are called. And um, it's just a a truly, truly uh, special experience. And even if you were unable to join us this year, we want to bring that experience to you. So be sure you're following us on all the social media channels. Um, We'll, we'll be bringing you coverage all weekend long, uh, all day Friday, all day Saturday. Um, I will, I will uh, be planning to do some of it, like 
like pregame during during the hockey season where I do uh, little video hits and updates on Twitter just to kind of give you a sense of, of the game that we're about to cover. I, I plan to do the same thing to kind of give all of our fans and readers and followers more of a, a, a picture, a view of what's going on in Dallas and, and what our team and our contest winners are up to and, and introduce you to some of those throughout the weekend and whatnot and, and really give you a good sense of why it's so much fun to be there and why you need to enter the contest next year. So um, Rick, I think it's really just going to be a fun, it's going to be hot. <laughs> it's going to be hot, <laughs> but uh, we're going to have fun and I'm coming home officially with a cowboy hat and maybe even boots. I don't know. Wow. We'll see. Uh-huh. We'll see. I'll see that. <laughs> That's right. And if, if if you haven't been, um, you know, following along with with the draft um, and you, you just want to take the, the next few days to to uh, get up to speed, go to uh, All Habs Hockey Magazine, allhabs.net, allhabs.net. There's there's uh, player profiles, draft profiles um, written by our staff writers on the on certainly the, the um, popular names that you've heard, but also the names that you might not have heard. And with the Canadians having four uh, second-round picks, um, their names you're going to want to make yourself familiar with. Barrett Hayton, who I mentioned before, Jake Wise, uh, Matthias Samuelson, um, Alexander Kovanov. These are guys that, that would be potential targets for the Canadians in the second round, and, and uh, you, can, you can make yourself uh, aware of, of, uh, of who they are and, and why the Canadians would be interested in, in taking them. And in fact, you can you can keep your uh, website browser permanently locked on allhabs.net for the entirety of the weekend because uh, we will have a live draft um, draft tracker being updated, so you can get all of your your draft info there uh, as well. You don't have to fuss with a bunch of different websites. You can follow all of the action right there, um, and lots lots of great work from our. Uh, Rocket Sports Media team members for putting together those player profiles and, and really giving you a place to, like we do here at the AHL Report, you know, we want you to be familiar with prospects before they ever hit that arena to have their name called. Um, and so that's you know, really a core part of our mission at the AHL Report and, and our contributors at, at All Habs Hockey Magazine are doing a, a great job of, of assisting with that as well and, and really getting people prepped for who these guys are and why, why would they be a good pick and where would they fit with the Montreal Canadians? And um, so it's, it's some good reading as we slowly tick away the time until, until Friday. Um, it's going to be fun. Absolutely. Well, that is it for this week. We will be jetting off to Dallas with the Rocket Sports Media crew and our contest winners. So as I said, be sure you uh, follow along at the AHL Report on Twitter, at All Habs on Twitter, uh, which is also where you can find Rick. And you can find me on Twitter at Flyers Rule. And we'll be bringing you tons of coverage all weekend long. Be sure you're following on Instagram as well. Um, And... uh, We'll be back here again next week to break it all down, talk about what happened, talk about what the Habs did, what they didn't do, big moves, big trades from other teams. I'm sure there'll be there'll be ton of a ton of it. And basically, we're then on the countdown when we come back next week, previewing heading into free agency frenzy because that will be taking place the following weekend. Uh, so that is just right around the corner as well. 
Lots and you'll be talking to... about uh, your new hat. I might be talking about a bit of barbecue, and, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it should be a fun episode. That's right. That's right. If I get a hat, if I get boots, I'll make sure to show them to everyone. <laughs> but I want to, you know, got to gotta get, if you're going to get them, you might as well get the genuine artifacts and the genuine Texas pit barbecue when you're in Texas. So, mm-hmm. and I might be coming back saying y'all a lot more often than I do now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in this week. This has been another episode of From the Press Box. We appreciate you tuning in and listening. We'll be right back here again next Tuesday. Rick, thank you for joining me. I will see you in Dallas with the crew. See you in Dallas. American Airlines Center. uh, That's right. The American Airlines Center. We will be there. We, uh, if you're going to be in Dallas, be sure you stop by, say hello, send us a tweet, let us know you're in the area, let us know you're in the building. And we will see you back here again next week, next Tuesday, for another episode of From the Press Box. Till then, have a good draft.